But the reality is, it's one thing to say we're going into a new season, it's another thing to know what to do when you get there. You know, I, I can only think of a classic example would be Abraham, when God comes to Abraham and says, go, get up, leave, and go to the land I'm going to show you. Go, going to show me? Can you show me before I go? I mean, it's like going to the airport, isn't it, really? This is what he's asking to do. Go to the airport, hand over your credit card, and say to the person at the desk, wherever you think I should go. I got my bags packed. Hopefully it's a sunny destination because I didn't put any winter clothes in there. It's like, get up and go. Go go where? To the place I'm going to show you. Where's that place? Do I go this way? Just go. Go and I'll lead you as you get there. And, and that's the thing about a new season. As we step into a new season, we step into new things in our lives. Sometimes we feel this, if you know God, you feel this tug that God wants you to do something. And it's like, yes, I want to do something for you, God, but what? What do I do? And how many people know that God doesn't always tell you? It's kind of like, and so you get to this place where you're kind of like, And then what happens in the life of the church is we have a prophetic word that says we're going into a new season and we just kind of stop short of the new season because we're waiting, because we don't know what to do. And then people go, what a load of rubbish, we're not going anywhere because hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And so all of a sudden we're in this place, and that's not just in church life, that's in all our lives, you know. I'm really frustrated in the job that I'm in. I really feel like I need to get a new job. I know I'm meant to get a new job, but what job? What do I do? What do I do? So what do we do when we're in this place where we know we need to go into something, but I don't know what to do? Can I help you this morning with some things that you need to do? I think the Apostle Paul might help us this morning. If you turn with me, when you are unsure of what to do, then I want you to do these four things. And the Apostle Paul says in in Acts 20, verse 22 to 24, he says this, and now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. How many people got a funny feeling that that feels familiar? I know I'm meant to go somewhere. I have no clue what's going to happen when I get there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Woo-hoo. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, in the time that Paul wrote this, he was in a place called Ephesus, and Paul was there in, in the church there. He was learning there. He really enjoyed his time in Ephesus. He didn't want to leave Ephesus, but he just felt this thing. It says here, it says that he was compelled. He felt compelled by the Spirit. Four things that we need to do if we're unsure. The first thing is, is there's the Spirit's prompting. He felt compelled by the Spirit. There are times in your life where you're going to feel compelled. That word compelled literally means this. It's like a cord that is wound around you, and then it's pulled towards you. But the Greek word puts it in two phases. It says this, it's like a cord wound around you that pulls you towards. And then the last part of the word of compel, the first part is dune, and the last part is the the same word that we use for the Spirit of God. So literally, when it says compelled, it literally means this, 
been bound by the breath of God. It's like the breath of God is drawing you or is prompting you or speaking to you. It's the Spirit of God has wrapped himself around you and he's drawing you in a direction. Every single one of us, whether we realize it or not, have these compelling moments. You know those moments when somebody comes into your brain and you're like, I should really ring them. That's not you, that's a compelling. That's the Holy Spirit saying, you know, I try to, I don't always get this right, but as soon as somebody comes into my mind, if I don't have time to ring them, I pick up the phone and I text them straight away because I don't know about you, but if I wait five minutes, I'll forget. Does anybody else know? I can remember when I was younger, my sisters were in youth, but I wasn't in youth. I was the youngest in the family. I wasn't allowed to go. I had to stay home on Friday nights and watch Knight Rider. And, uh, but they would get to go to youth. How many people remember Knight Rider? They just don't make quality programs like that anymore. Anyway, if you don't know Knight Rider, you need to YouTube it. It'll change your life. And uh, my, my sisters were going to youth, and my dad was the pastor of the church at the time, and they were doing a car rally. And for some reason, my dad wouldn't let them go. And my sisters, the whole week, were like crying, you know, the gnashing of teeth, the, the manipulative thing, and dad's going, I remember a conversation in the kitchen between my mom and between my dad, and my, my mom's going, we want them to go to youth. Why won't you let them go to youth? What, what, what is wrong with you? Like, let these girls, you know, and dad goes, nah, they're not, I just, I just don't want them to go. You know, the crazy thing is, is that in that car rally, the car that they were meant to go in that night had an accident where it rolled four times. Luckily, nobody was injured or nobody died, majorly injured. But my dad just had this compelling not to let his daughters go. You have stuff like that all the time, yes? We all have these where we feel the Spirit of God pull us or prompt us or push us in a direction or say, mm, I just don't feel comfortable. You know, like when your, your child befriends another kid and the kid seems okay, but just something on the inside of you just says, I don't want them to hang out with this kid. There's something that's compelling you. There's something that's drawing you. It, it, it's the breeze of the Spirit is trying to tell you something. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have to be on your guard at all times for these things because sometimes they're big. Sometimes it's a huge like pool, like if you didn't realize it was the Holy Spirit, then you're asleep. But then there are the other times where it's just those little things, those little nagging things, those, you know, those silly little things which you can dismiss quite quickly. And, and, and when we are stepping into a new season or a new time and we're not sure what to do, we need to be aware of the promptings. Because the promptings always give direction. We need to be aware of what it is that God is prompting us to do. Sometimes God prompts us to get out of our comfort zone and go and talk to somebody. Have you ever had that thing? I should really go and talk to that person. I don't want to talk to that. Or maybe God's really prompted you. Or maybe God's really said to you, hey, man, you need to get into a kinetic group. Or, or maybe you need to serve someone. You feel this prompting. Or maybe there's this prompting on the inside of you where you've always felt like you should write a book or start a business. Or there's something on the inside of you that keeps on drawing you to this. You know, if one of the things that the Holy Spirit constantly prompts me is to write a book. And uh, I don't want to write a book because I can't spell for starters. 
Is anybody, praise God for spell check. And, um, and, but I just know I'm meant to do it, but I just want to do it because I don't know how to write. It's going to be dumb. People are going to laugh at me. But I just know one day that there's going to be this thing where God has asked me to do something. And the thing is, when you don't know what to do, when you know that you're meant to do something, but you don't know what it is, the first thing that you want to do is you want to be listening to the Spirit's prompting. Those little tugs, those little things on the inside of you that says, go this way or go that way or go into this shop or talk to that person. And uh, you really need to be able to do that. The second thing that you need to be aware of when you're unsure about what it is, is you need to have an uncertain certainty. The Spirit's prompting and an uncertain certainty. Paul says here, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. In other words, I know I'm meant to go, but I got no clue. I got no idea what's going to happen to me. I don't have any details whatsoever about what's going to happen to me. I know I'm meant to go to Jerusalem, but I got no idea what's going to happen. I know I need to go and talk to that person, but I have no idea what's going to happen when I get there. I know I need to, you, you know what I'm talking about, this uncertain certainty where you know you're meant to do it, but you're so uncertain about what's going to happen when you get there. Because see, so often in life, we want the details, don't we? We want the details. And so it's like, God's like, I want you to do this. Yep, just show me the details. Show, show me what's going to happen. Show me the details. I want to see everything. I want to understand everything that's about to happen. There's, but you've got to have this uncertain certainty. When you don't know what it is that you're meant to do and you're unsure about what's in front of you, you have to have this uncertain certainty where you know that you're meant to go, but you're just uncertain because you're not going to get all the plans. The reality is when God called me to pastor, uh, if he had shown me everything that we were going to go through, especially the painful stuff, there is no way I would have done it. You, you, can, you can have that. I don't want that. But when you get onto the other side of the coin and you start to see the transformation that takes place in people's lives, I'd never say no to that. I'd never say no to that. And so what God does is he, it's not that he's withholding. He just, he just understands that he needs to lead us step by step because it's only step by step that we can handle. You know, remember that movie uh, with Jack Nicholson in it, you know? You can't handle the truth. The reality is you can't handle the truth. If Joseph knew that he was going to be sold into slavery, accused of a crime he did not do, put into prison and forgotten, he never would have rocked up that breakfast morning in the, in, in the family meeting and go, I've had a dream. He never would have done that. And you wouldn't do it either if you really understood what the plan was, what was going to happen, the details. Most of us would say no because God has to take us step by step because in each step our faith grows and our capacity to handle what it is that God has planned for us happens in each step. It's overwhelming otherwise if he told you what it was that he was going to do. If he told Abraham, rather than saying, get up and go to the country I'm going to show you, if he said to Abraham, get up and go, I'm going to give you all this land and all the nations of the world are going to be blessed by you and you're going to have children and there's going to be millions of you, and he, would have been, he would have freaked out. He would have absolutely freaked out. And every single one of us 
understands that if we really knew, if you look back now and you go, man, if I realized that was going to happen when I did that, I wouldn't have done that. But when you get to the other side and you realize it's because of that that you are who you are today. It's because of that that you are where you are today. Psalms 19, 105 puts it this way. It says, the word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to guide my path. What does it say? The word of the Lord is what? A lamp to guide my feet. It's not a spotlight for the future. It's a lamp to guide my feet. In other words, oh, that's the next step. Oh, that's the next step. Oh, that's the next step. It's not a spotlight to your future. It's a light unto your feet. And our problem is, is, you know, God, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to do anything until you show me step four, five, and six. And God's response is, I'm not going to show you step four, five, and six until you do step one, two, and three. Until you do what I've asked you to do in front of you, I'm not going to show you why, because the Bible says this, that we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And so it's not about step four, five, and six. It's about what's step one for you. When you are unsure about what it is that you're meant to do or where you're meant to go, what is step one for you? And then after step one, what's step two? I don't know about you, but I have this certain uncertainty that I'm certain about the next step that I'm going to take. I'm certain about step one. And when I'm at step one, I'm certain about step three. I am uncertain about step four, five, and six, but I don't need to concern myself with four, five, and six. I just need to look at the lamp on my feet, not the spotlight on my future. What do you do when you don't know which, what to do? Just do the next step. You see, heaps of people say to me sometimes, Craig, you're the pastor of the church, the leader of the church. What's your plan for the future of the church? What's your plan for the future of the church? Can I be really, really honest with you? My plan is really ever about the future. I can't think past lunchtime half the time, let alone the future. You know what my plan is when it comes to leading the church? My plan is to be obedient today. My plan is to be obedient today. Let me say this again. My plan is really about the future. My plan is to be obedient today. My plan is not to worry about the future, but it's to be faithful with today. It's to be faithful with what he's called me to do today. If I take care of today, he'll look after my tomorrow. My plan is to be obedient today. Because most people are like, if you show me what the future is going to look like, then, then if I like the outcome, if I like the destination, then. I mean, how many people have prayed this prayer, including myself, over our lives? If you do this for me, I'll live for you for the rest of my life. Okay, just I do that. If you do this for me, then I'll do that for you. Don't kids do that? If you would give me $10 or $20 so I can go to the movies, I promise I'll do the dishes every night for the next 12 months, and it lasts about one night. Because we so look to the future and we make a commitment to something that we have no idea about step four, five, and six, and instead of doing that, why don't you just make a commitment to do step one? 
I, I don't know what tomorrow looks like, but I'm going to be obedient today. I'm going to be obedient today, and I know I'm being obedient today. Oh, and if I'm obedient tomorrow, and if I'm obedient on Tuesday, and if I'm obedient on Thursday, uh, Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday, and I just keep being obedient every single day, then I know, before I know it, I've actually gone step 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. When you're unsure about what to do, just, just be obedient today. Oh, but you don't understand, I want certainty. I want certainty. Well, I'll give you some certainty if you want some certainty. It's this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you every single day of your life. If you turn to the east, I'm with you. If I turn to the west, I'm with you. If you go north, I'm with you. South. If you would just listen to the voice behind you that says, this is the next step. This is the way. Walk ye in it. That's the promise. That's the certainty. My certainty is this. It's not in the future, but it's in the obedience today and the fact that he is with me and he never leaves me and he never forsakes me. And even though I can't see the future, I know he's with me in today. And if we can just be like that when we're uncertain, since the Spirit's prompting, have a certain uncertainty, I'm telling you, you will get to where it is that you're going. You know, because every single one of us needs a little bit of uncertainty in our world. You need to be able to live with a little bit of uncertainty every now and then. Why? Because we walk by faith, not by sight. And if we're not walking by faith, the Bible says this, that it's impossible to please God. Come on, you need some uncertainty in your world. You need some certain uncertainty to understand that I'm not really sure about what the future looks like, but I'm going to take this next step by faith, and I'm going to take this next step by faith, and each step I'm taking by faith, it's not about the now, it's not about the then, it's about the now, and I know of every step that it pleases God. Every step pleases God, because you know what? If you try to jump a step, you miss the process. Come on, when you're unsure about what it is that you're meant to do, trust the Spirit's prompting and just be obedient in the day. Live with certain uncertainty. Number three is a predictable resistance. We have to live with the Spirit's prompting. We have to live with a certain uncertainty and you have to understand that there will be resistance. Your enemy will resist what God leads you to do. Listen to what Paul says, the Holy Spirit warned me that prison and hardships are facing me. Why is it that we get so surprised that the enemy's like, I don't like what you're doing? Man, if we obey the Spirit's prompting, if we're just obedient in today and understand that there's a resistance that's going to come, then we don't need to panic when that comes. We have to understand if you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, then I can say this, you're not ready to be used by Him. If you're not ready to face opposition to do what God has called you to do, then you're not ready to be used by Him. I'll say it again so it really gets in a third time. If you're not ready to face opposition because of what God's called you to do, then you're not ready to be used by him. He said offenses will come. Opposition will happen. They will hate you because of me. Get over yourself and understand 
that resistance is just part of the process. But I don't understand where this is leading. I don't understand what, what, what's on the other side of this resistance. Here's the crazy thing. When we pause in the middle of resistance is when our lives starts to unfold. You know when a plane flies through the sound barrier, just before it goes through the sound barrier, the plane is getting shaken viciously. And if it stays too long in that process, it has, a, has two options. The plane can either go through the sound barrier or back off because if it stays in the middle of the resistance, the whole plane will be shaken to pieces. But if it pushes through the sound barrier and gets to the other side, it's smooth sailing. The reality is in anything that I've learned when it comes to God, if you're doing anything of significance, there will always be a resistance. But if you can push through the resistance, it's smooth on the other side. It's smooth on the other side. How do we push through the resistance? By just being obedient to today. But just doing what it is that God has called us to do. So many people, when things get tough, they start to think, well, maybe God's not in this. I don't think God's in this because if God was in this, it wouldn't be so hard. This wouldn't be, it wouldn't be nice to live this Christian faith where because I follow Jesus, everything's just easy. Wouldn't that be awesome? The reality is that's God's intention, but the reality is this, that we have an opposition. And the opposition doesn't want it to be enjoyable. They want you to quit. They want you to give up. They want you to stop. And so many people think, oh, maybe it's not God when this happens, but when do you think the enemy attacks you the most? When you're doing nothing for God or when you're doing something for God? You see, a yacht goes faster in big winds than in calm places. Smooth sailing is not a sign you're in the will of God. In fact, I would suggest that maybe you're not. Because I found whenever I do what God wants me to do, there's resistance. There's pressure. There's resistance. Resistance is not necessarily a sign that you are out of God's will. In fact, resistance, I would suggest, is often the sign that says that you're exactly in the right place, doing the right thing, doing what God wants you to do. And here's the thing, you can quit because it might be painful. The process might be painful, but guess what? The quitting doesn't speed it up. Quitting does not speed up the process. If there's one thing I've learned about God is that he has a plan of where he wants to take you. And if you have to go through step three to get there, you may back off back to step two, but he's still going to take you to step three. It's like, you'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. Yeah, he just keeps coming around and coming around and coming around until you're prepared to push through. Until you're prepared to push through the persistence, the resistance, then he'll just keep bringing it back around because he's trying to do something in you so that he can do something through you. You see, the struggle that you're having today is developing the spiritual strength that you need for tomorrow. And the crazy thing about the Apostle Paul is that before he came to know Christ, the Apostle Paul was the biggest persecutor of Christians. He would go around murdering them, killing them, like he hated them. He was like the guy that all the religious people sent out to go and kill as many Jesus followers as possible. In fact, he was there giving his approval when they stoned Stephen. 
they threw the clothes at the Apostle Paul's feet at the time, and he was applauding them as they stoned Stephen, a disciple of Christ, to death. This guy was, before he came to Christ, he was just like hated by so many Christians, and then we know the story. He's on a donkey. God knocks him off the donkey, blinds him. He has this incredible encounter with God, and boom, he gets saved. Gets saved. He meets Christ and has this incredible conversion, and then three years go by, and uh, Paul, for three years, has just been learning off the apostles and learning off people, and, understand. and then he gets to do his first message, gets to preach his first time. You know, you, you know, for Paul, this was like a big moment, and he preaches a message in Damascus, his first ever message, and it went so well, they wanted to kill him. He had to flee the town because they were trying to kill him. That's a great start for ministry. I don't think the first Sunday I preached here that anyone wanted to kill me that I know of. So he runs for his life. He's struggling to pay his bills. He's having to make tents. He wants to preach. He wants to do this stuff for God, but instead he's making tents, 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 and more tents. Some of you, you get so frustrated with God because you're in the tent-making stage that God's taking you through right now. You're in the middle of making tents. You want to do something else. You want to do, Paul wanted to preach. Paul wanted to extend the gospel. Paul wanted to do stuff. But in this moment, he just had to make some tents, making tents. And about eight years goes by of him making tents and more tents and boring tents. And he's studying and he's waiting and he's praying and he wants to preach but he's making tents and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. And the reason is because in the waiting, that's when God's doing something in you so that he can do something through you. You've got to become who he wants you to be so that you can do what he wants you to do. And so if you don't know what it is that you're meant to do next, spirits prompting an uncertain certainty, a predictable resistance, and understand that he's doing something in you in that moment so that you can do the thing that he's called you to. He's not trying to stop you. He's just trying to help you. Spirit's prompting, uncertain certainty, predictable resistance. And then what comes on the other side of all those things is number four, an uncommon confidence. An uncommon confidence. He says this in verse 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. The Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the goodness of God's grace. And he's saying here, even though I know that there's going to be bad times, even though that I know there's going to be difficult times, even though I don't know the details, I don't know what's going to happen. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. My only goal in this life is to be obedient in the day of today so that I can finish the race uh, that he's put in front of me, finish the task and testify of God's good news and his grace. I consider my life worthless to me. I'm just here to serve Jesus exactly where I am. Just uncommon confidence. And what did Paul do from this place going forward? Well, he wrote the biggest portion of the New Testament that we have today, God's inspired word that changes our lives on a daily and weekly 
process. He starts churches all over Asia Minor and Europe. And how did he do all this? How, how did Paul make this eternal difference? How did Paul do all this stuff? Did Paul have a plan for the future? No. Paul had no plan for the future. He just had a plan to obey the Spirit today. He says, my life is of no value. I have no idea what the details are in front of me. All I know is this, is that he has asked me to go to Jerusalem. And I know that there's going to be hardships in front of me. But I'm prepared to go through all of that because my life is worth nothing to me unless I can fulfill the task that he's asked me to do and finish the race he's called me to run and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. If I can do those three, I don't really care what the rest looks like. And I know to get to that place, I just have to obey the Spirit today. I don't need a plan for my future. I just need a light unto my feet. He just followed the Spirit's prompting every single day. I don't know about you, but I find it's a lot easier to follow Jesus when I'm just following His Spirit's prompting today. When I start to try and work out what He wants to do next year, it starts to frizzle my brain. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have plans because if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I know all that sort of stuff. But you need to understand something. The Scripture teaches us that we make plans, but God determines the steps. What's the steps? The steps are obedience in the day to the Spirit's prompting of the day and understanding that there's going to be some resistance but on the other side is something amazing. We don't have to worry about our future. We don't have to plan for our future. We just need to obey Him today. What's my next step? What's the next thing that I'm meant to do What do I need to be obedient to God today about? You know, when you're just focused on obeying Him in today, then you stop worrying about missing out on something in the future because you're doing exactly, exactly what God wants you to do today when you obey Him today. And then you just trust Him. You just trust Him that step one will lead to step two. Step two will lead to step three. And eventually it will get you to step 25, where it is that you want to be. Where it is, because you've got to understand something. God wants you to be more successful than you want to be. God is more determined about you accomplishing His plan for your life than you are. Because He doesn't have another Dave Morgan. And He doesn't have another Jonathan And he doesn't have another Dave Lowe. Praise God for that. He only has, I'm just joking. He can take it. He doesn't have another Ken. He only has you to do what it is that he's called you to do. And you can be so focused on the future about, I don't know what it is that I'm meant to do. I don't know what what I'm meant to do. I don't don't know how this pans out. I don't know what this looks like. And, and, And on all that happens is you just stay in this perpetual state of unsureness, uncertainty, you you don't know what to do, and so you actually don't do anything, and then what happens on the inside of you, because you feel this prompting of the Spirit gnawing away on the inside of you, you become unhappy, you become depressed, because you realize, I'm not 
my spirit's just not doing what it is that God created me to do. And friend, your problem is, is that you want the details. And God's like, oh, I'm going to give you the details. Just be obedient today. Abraham, get up and go to the place that I will show you. Not now, but I will. You see, God can't stir a stationary vehicle. It has to be moving. Moving with the Spirit's prompting, an uncertain certainty, understanding that there's predictable resistance, but knowing that when I get through those three stages, there's an uncommon confidence that God is taking me exactly where I need to go because I don't have to worry about my future. I just have to look at my feet and follow the light unto my path. That if I will focus on being obedient to him today, he'll order the steps of a good man according to his ways. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning, every single person?